Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 205 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am in Los Angeles, California with Enrico. What's up, buddy? How's it going, guys? Doing well. So as you, you guys can tell, Enrico is Italian. Italianissimo. Yeah, ciao, first Italian. Ciao, bello. Ciao, tutto posto. So probably the first Italian uh, guest that you get. Yeah. Am I? Yeah. Oh, can Amazing. you say uh, welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast in Italian? Mm-hmm. Benvenuti al Travel Like a Boss podcast. Nice. Gra- gra- uh, grazie mille. Grazie mille. Yeah, people don't say grazie. When you, heard it, when you hear it, just tell them, no, it's grazie. Grazie. Yeah. So if you like panini, it's actually panino. Just nice. so you guys know. Yeah. You know what? Does it drive you crazy when people mispronounce Italian words? Oh, my God. I, I, do, I try to stop and teach them i'm like no you actually say panino if it is one and then panini if it is more like plural but oh. I, I try not to do it like uh like i'm you know i'm not a dick or anything but you hear it you see the starbucks and you're like god at least then they should get it right so but, uh venti venti well that's funny because venti doesn't really make any sense in it means terms 20 of size. right yeah it means 20 i think though it's because it's 20 ounces that's why they call it venti oh Mind blown. And what do they call the big one? Grande? Grande? Is it grande? Grande means big. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that I, makes sense. yeah, that's okay. And grande. tall, is that English word or is that... Tall Italian? is still English. They just kept it just because they were like, we're not going to go all the way to Italian. Yeah. Probably I mean, I think the, they took randomly some words and I'm sure they made some up. Like Frappuccino, is this uh, Italian? Yeah, Frappuccino is... Uh, <laughs> it's funny because... Frappe, that's an Italian word. Like we do say frappe. Like when you when you mix gelato and milk and you make like a a shake out of it, we would call it frappe. Puccino, it's like ca- the cappuccino. So I guess they they probably mix the two up. Yeah, I don't really know. That's a good yeah. word though. I like yeah, that. I really like it. It's catchy. Frappuccino. What? So what are the probably the most misused or mispronounced Italian words that you hear? The most regularly? misused and mispronounced. Grazie, top five for yeah. sure. Panini. Um, zucchini, that's another big one. It's actually zucchine. Oh. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. And, uh, salami, it's actually salame. That sounds exactly the same to me. Salame. Well, that's. Salami, to, to, or to salame? Tell, salame is one salame, or salami, is, it would be plural, I guess. One salami is two salame. Un salame, due salami. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's how it would be. So, yeah. I just got back from Bologna. Bologna, yeah, you got that ragu, didn't you? Yeah, so I didn't realize this, but spaghetti bolognese, spaghetti alla bolognese, yeah, is actually fettuccine ragu. Yeah, fettuccine ragu. So, uh, yeah, in, in I guess from an American perspective, they tend to look at the 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 meat sauce as like a bolognese sauce, whatever. But the thing is, it's actually a ragu, and there is many types of ragu. My mom does some of the best ragu out there, by the way. Like she, you, you want to slow cook uh, the sauce with the meat with a lot of different flavors based on if you're if you're from the south, you might throw different type of meats. If you're from Bologna, you might stick to that one type of meat. If you're from the north, then you might do even a rabbit type of ragu, ragu di coniglio. Um, but you slow cook it for a long time, and it's so good that. I personally would get some ragu on the side because I would want to have it with my pasta, but then you also want to do some scarpetta with some bread just to enjoy the 
that ragu. It's okay. really, really good. So I think it's confusing because ragu is like a meat-based sauce with mm-hmm. a little bit of tomato. Yeah. But in the U.S. or in pretty much everywhere else in the world, yeah, we call it spaghetti bolognese because bologna sauce, so- like sauce from bologna is yeah. bolognese sauce. Mm-hmm. And the famous sauce that it's based off of is ragu. Mm-hmm. But in the original recipe, it's mostly meat and just a little bit of tomato. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. I think that... Uh, so if you say spaghetti alla bolognese, do you do you also envision the red sauce with the meatballs on top of it? Or is that something different in your no. perspective? It, that would, we, we would just say spaghetti with meatballs. Okay. But when we order spaghetti bolognese, or I'm sure this offends you, when English people order it, yeah. they say, uh, let me get a spag bog. A what? Yeah. <laughs> no, a spag bog? I swear. Yeah, they don't even pronounce bolognese. They just, they just call it spag bog. That, that's it's terrible. Like a, that's horrific. A spag bog. Imagine what? if someone, you took it. What if you, like, what is, because well, now you're married. But what if you, like, met some girl, right? Yeah. Maybe it's co-worker. Okay, how about this? Let's say you were, like, Going on a, you know, you're hiring someone mm-hmm. and they're go- on an interview. Yeah. You're having lunch and they, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to take you to this great Italian restaurant. It's really good, really authentic. <laughs> and they say, they say to the waitress, can I get a spag bog? Oh my God. I will give them the benefit of the doubt and I will tell them, okay, I give you a minute and a half to Google it and to get back to me with the why that's very wrong. If they do, then there you go. But if they don't. They probably would never would not get a job. Oh, that's so funny! Know. Yeah, it's just because yeah. that drives me crazy, and I'm not mm. even Italian. Mm. It just sounds very, just very, like Spagball sounds like a I don't know some type of dodgeball team name. The Spagballs, yeah. you know. Okay, so there's that. So I think it's because I have more of an American taste. Mm-hmm. I actually okay. So the reason why I like the pasta in Italy so much. Mm-hmm is the pasta is fresh made. Oh, yeah. It tastes so much better than the dried pasta we normally mm-hmm. get. The kind of fettuccine that they use isn't the fettuccine you guys are thinking of with like white sauce. Mm-hmm. It's like a thick hand-cut noodle mm-hmm. that's perfect for the ragu sauce because oh, yeah. it kind of soaks it up. It does, yeah. You can still get some fettuccine in America as well. I did see some, uh, I don't know if the Checo brand does it, but if you go to Publix, if you go to Whole Foods, they usually, Publix usually have that one, uh, the one choice for fettuccine, but it's usually, they, they, they are definitely dry. They are like usually in a box. They are, when you open them, the texture of the fettuccine itself, the, the noodle, I guess. Uh, it's flat, but it's also rough because it's going to soak in all the sauce. Yeah. And, and I think like that's the, the purpose of it because most fettuccine that you mm-hmm. get with like fettuccine alfredo, that's yeah. like the popular American dish, it's smooth, so it doesn't soak up any of the sauce. Fettuccine alfredo. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's smooth and I guess you can have smooth fettuccine, but it, I guess, and I'm no chef, I'm, I only go by my Italian experience, but depending on the type of sauce you want to have, some type of pasta. It makes sense for some fettuccine to soak in the sauce, but for others, it might not make all the sense in the world. Uh, it really just depends on the dish, I guess. I yeah. think the only solution is everyone listening to this needs to put visiting Italy on their bucket list. Oh, yes. Because Absolutely. I am not kidding you guys. The food there is so different than the Italian food you have anywhere else. Oh, yeah. It's like 
it's one of those things where, like, to be honest, you can have Thai food, you know, in America or really anywhere, and it's mm-hmm. pretty good. Like, it's, you know, it's better in Thailand, but it's just, you know, it's still very good. Like, very you can close. have good Thai food. Okay. Yeah, like, close enough, right? Where, like, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, it's good here. It's more okay. expensive, but it's good. Same with, like, Chinese food. You can have good Chinese food in California. Mm-hmm. You can have good, you know... Pretty much everything else. You can have like good Swedish meatballs or something. Yeah. But. Just Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and even Japanese food. I've had good, like really good ramen mm-hmm. or good sushi with people from Japan. And they said, they, they literally said, oh, you don't need to go to Japan. This, this is good enough. Yeah. And it's cheaper here. Yeah. But. Okay. I feel like with pasta, you just, you cannot compete with fresh made pasta. Yeah. In Italy. Yeah, yeah. It's just very hard because I guess that you would have to find somebody that is... When you find somebody that is willing to do it for you, it's probably a place where you spend 20 bucks or more on that pasta plate and you got to be lucky with the person that made it. Because believe it or not, a lot of times it might be an Italian restaurant, but you, if they're not Italian people that you see working in there, then it's an Italian style restaurant. And I will, I want to underline that because in Miami Beach, for example, uh, where I'm based, you do find a lot of nice Italian places with Italian people that know exactly what they're doing. And you, you really have like a very nice experience. You're just like, oh my God, this, this tastes so good, but then other places might, you know, sell you the plate of spaghetti, charge you, upcharge you, but probably they spent five dollars at most in cooking time and in ingredients, and that's you, you could do it yourself at home. Well, one yeah. really funny thing about Bologna yeah. is that is where bologna is from, the lunch meat. Bologna, which you, you're, another thing, I, I don't think that we actually call it. Bol- uh, when well, you say Bologna, how do you spell it exactly? B O L O G N. No, then- no, I think we spell it exactly the same. Oh, as Bologna, Bologna, but they- we just okay. pronounce it Bologna. Okay, it's a pro- it's a pronunciation matter then. Uh, we do have Bologna. We do have some. Um, we call it affettati, which is the cold cuts. But I don't know if what's the best way to call lunch meat. Maybe just simply lunch, just meat. lunch meat. If yeah. I say prosciutto, that's lunch meat for you guys. Yeah, right. Uh, Prosciutto would be like fancy lunch meat for us. Yeah, we call it affettati. The, the, where whenever you have some meat that you need to cut thin and serve or have, that's affettati for us. Um, so Bologna, they do have a specific affettati, if you will. But but there's a um, an actual meat in Bologna. Because of the M, I'm trying to find the the name of it. Yeah. It's like oh my a, god, is that a morta- no. mo- yeah, mo- mortadella? Mortadella. That is. Oh yeah, you, that's right. That um, is the. Uh, and just so used to call it mortadella, they're yeah. like trying to think. Wait, Bologna? What? Yeah, I think so. It's, Bologna uh, comes from Bologna, Bologna Italy. I'm googling it too. But it's inspired from mortadella. Yeah, it's inspired from mortadella. It is completely different. Bologna yeah. in America sucks. It is like oh, yeah. a joke when you get it. I don't know why you guys have it in the first place as something that you offer at the store. It's I mean, like a you, punishment. You, you look, you look at it, and it, it just doesn't look right. And then you cut it and you open it, and you. I personally need to dry any meat that I get from the store if I ever get it from the <laughs> store. Dry? I dry it. I get two napkins. I put it on the side, and then I press it with the other oh, one. That's so funny. And just after it's dried, I can then put it in sandwiches and stuff. So, bologna is actually well, my, uh. I can't even say it. Mata Matagali, the whatever the bologna is. Bologna? What do you mean? The the mortadella. Mortadella. Yeah. Is actually very delicious. Yeah. It tastes oh, yeah. kind of. It actually tastes kind of fresh. It tastes like high quality meat. It does. I mean, the the, the ribble, the mortadella definitely tastes right. Yeah. The 
bologna that you get from Oscar Myers <laughs> at a grocery store here, it tastes straight up preserved. Yeah. It tastes nothing like real meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a hot, like a hot dog in the shape of lunch meat. It's just, I guess, that there is a target for that type of meat that the person that wants to have some type of meat that wants to just not cook it and not have anything to do with the process is just going to suck it up <laughs> and have their sand- bologna sandwiches. All right. Well, I don't want to make this whole episode about food, even no, though of course. I think it's super interesting. I really think that it is awesome. Like, Italy is an awesome place to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling uh, you over lunch that it's one of those places where I can see myself going, you know, every summer for like a few weeks, just to, yeah. maybe a different part every single time. To purify. Just, yeah, just have some good food, some nice wine, just kind of relax. You know, I think it's a great place to travel, you know, with, you know, your girlfriend, your your wife, because it's just mm-hmm. like a, it's it's like a nice, beautiful city. You just, you know, it's not like a, it's not somewhere I would go to like party. Yeah. But I would, yeah, if you yeah. wanted to party hard, you could, but it's definitely, I really like to think that Italy has... It's a country with the heart, and you can really feel it when you go in the right place. It, like in the south of Italy, you always feel welcomed, especially if it is a place that is very like local and they don't speak English. They will still – it's almost like you can talk to them, not in Italian, but they might not speak English, and you talk to them, and it feels like they understand you, you understand them, but they might have no idea on how to even say, like, uh, please and thank you. If you go to really, like, southern uh, Italian places. Yeah. And uh, – yeah, I definitely. I would definitely recommend for people to go and uh, uh, the, the most international city that you could visit, I guess, for my experience, would be Florence. So if you go there, it's not that you're gonna be like, oh my god, how do I get anywhere? Or menus are in Italian or anything like only in Italian. So I would definitely start with that. But in the well, south, you know what's funny is do adventure. Even in Bologna, all the all the restaurants I ate at, yeah. all the menus are in Italian. But I'm so used to seeing Italian words. That, that you kind of knew yeah, what you were looking I at. I felt like okay. I could read the whole menu. I'm like, oh, talaghetti. I'm like, oh, that's a pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like ragu, that, you know, that's a sauce. Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's... From the Italian perspective, they don't even... I guess they don't... The, the restaurant owner... You got to imagine the restaurant owner being like a person in his 60s, maybe. Spent his life in Italy, born and raised. No English education at all. Doesn't really... Depending on the person, he might not have this international eye for things. And he doesn't really realize that he might have a lot of of people... They look at the menu and they might not really know what's going on, but because it's Italy, they do want to go there because it's a known place. Mm-hmm. So you you gotta kind of be lucky, and they might not have the English menu, but you will get the most authentic food ever. Yeah, very tasty. Yeah. I love it. Well, I was gonna say it was funny. So you moved to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and you were telling me, kind of over over uh, lunch, lunch, how big of a process it was. Mm. <laughs> Like what? It's been a, yeah. it's been a journey. When did you first even think about moving to the U.S.? Okay, so the very first time that I thought about moving to the U.S. was I was definitely in high school. It was probably my first two years of high school, I can tell you. And this guy Peef, um, he basically was an MTV music, the you know the MTV that you guys know as well, but from Italy. He had this show called Il Testimone or the Testimony, uh, where he would travel around. Uh, different countries and give you kind of like it would just literally vlog but on tv because youtube was not big at all you would never even think of the word vlog or seeing any person vlogging and following up with them but he would do the same exact thing that a vlogger would do on mtv so he did this one episode in america it would be he visited oh my god uh, i i don't want to be wrong but probably los angeles 
and a couple other cities where you show the college, you show like a public college where they had this gigantic football field, they had this gigantic uh, uh, rooms, uh, lockers. Like we get, we get we do have all of that in Italy, but with American standards everything is on another level and you see people like cheerleaders and like football players or like simple students that are hanging out everywhere but then it would also show uh businesses and just overall how cool everything was around and how people just interact with you small like small cordial things like you're you're walking down venice beach and the person that lives there instead of being grumpy they're gonna be like good evening and you don't know them it might sound familiar or obvious to people around there but if you go anywhere else in the world anywhere else in the world they might not be so solar or cordial so a lot of different things a lot of different factors really got me into looking at america as not just like a cool place where people shoot movies uh but a, a really like a country with a lot of different things that are happening now that are actually new and I guess, I don't know, automatically uh, or passively was thinking, man, like in Italy, everything is great. But if it wasn't for our history, looking at the present, what are we doing? I mean, people know us for the clothing, for the quality of our foods, for a lot of different things. But what can I, because I'm into technology, am I going to be able to do augmented reality there? Am I going to be able to do virtual reality there? Am I going to be able to interact with the, you know, with, with, with agencies and with a work environment that will actually have the tools and the knowledge and the understanding of what I'm talking about and what I, what I would like to present as something to develop. And I would always feel like, and I tried, don't get me wrong. I always felt like they will look at you as the elephant in the room, you know, like I'm trying to push an idea and they're like, yeah, that would be cool, but it's, they don't even know how to, how to do it or how to even think about it. So a lot of different, this small things already when I was in school, uh, I was, I was considering and thinking, and then between the fourth and fifth year of high school, I just visited here for the first time with my father, looked around for, for universities and colleges that I could attend after, right after high school. And, um, I just ended up pretty much, it's funny because I applied for a place in Santa Monica, the art Institute. I got accepted. I was ready to start. I lost my flight. And I just didn't make it in time for the start of the quarter. How did you lose your flight? I fl- I lost my flight because I booked everything and it was applied, uh, approved and everything a couple of months before the start. And what happened is I just basically lost the flight and thought, oh my God, this was a sign. I'm not going to go. When you say lose the flight, do you mean you misplaced your itinerary? Or? No, I literally like, yeah, okay. I had the flight uh, day X and I completely forgot about it. And I didn't set the calendar uh, appointment yet on my calendar. And the day off, end of day, I look at it and I was so sure that I was going to leave two days after. And I was like, oh my God, the flight was today. Oh, you just missed it. I like, literally wow. missed it. Like I, I was, I was, I don't know. I guess you, it was meant would, to be. Yeah, but you would think that you would have been so excited that you would have been. Man, it was, it was a mystical thing because you're, it makes all of the sense in the universe now that I'm sitting here like talking with you. But at the time... I guess I was a little bit distracted because everybody else around you doesn't, they don't really understand it. Cause you see everybody like they finish high school. They don't even thinking about work. They don't know what's going on out there. They, they're just applying for university, continuing their studies. That's it. They're going to think about work and what they want to really do in their life probably after they study. And so because of that, everybody's just hanging out. We're talking about everything, but uh, the, the, the future plans and stuff like that. So it kind of went into uh, auto mode for the summer. 
And then when the day off was happening, it was actually packing. I checked and it was the day that I was supposed to leave. Wow. So I, I was just like, oh my God, I need to focus. Okay. And so so th- then yeah. what? Like how, like how did you end up? Did you come, I'm come so, here for I, I think university? I, I'm sorry, but I think I, I did go a little bit off uh, topic. But uh, long story short, I did find a school that I wanted in South Beach, which I visited, uh, a place that I visited that I really liked. I applied and I got accepted Miami Art School. At the time, it was in South Beach, now it's in Wynwood. Um, so I got there as a student. I studied there for um, two years, a year in Miami and a year in uh, New York. And after that, I basically applied for a for a work visa that took me that took nine months for it to be rejected. Wow. So first off, going so going to school in um, in the U.S. Did you have to just pay out of pocket for it? Yes. Okay, so yeah. you're just like, you know, dad, can you just pay for this? <laughs> or how did you pay for it? So, okay, I did consider uh, the return of uh, the return. The, the, I don't know if you want to call it ROI, but basically what you would earn after you, you, you apply for that school. So uh, basically, well, I, w- I was sponsored by my father. Um, but if I was to study in Italy for the same type of education, I would have actually pay, uh, paid more because the same school I, I was it's called the YED the International European uh, Europe Design uh, School or whatever in Milan it was going to be a program of three years you do get a real uh, bachelor degree in arts or whatever but I heard the worst reviews when I toured it I, I, I was not impressed at all especially after being in America I was like I'll give it a shot and I'll see how Italy is I visited didn't like it didn't apply for the same amount of money, went to Miami Art School instead, and it was it, it turned out to be great because I met so many people. Even like the people that I meet around Los Angeles, New York now, are buddies that I have from school. Oh, a lot wow. of different connections around the world that are all from from the school. And so the so the degree that you did is an art degree, so it's not like so it's not like it's a, a BA. It, it's kind of with Miami Art School. If you're an international student, it's it, I guess they consider it an associate degree. It's not a real bachelor. It's like a master. I taught myself Photoshop and a lot of different um, uh, software. So at the time when it was uh, approved, it's because of my own personal interest that that I was able to to be approved and uh, to apply. Um, and I did also need to do the TOEFL. Forgot to mention the the English uh, TOEFL is like the the college educa- the college uh, English level that you need to have in order to attend. You know? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know what? What's crazy is nowadays the college degree really doesn't matter. It's oh, yeah. all about you know experience, what you've done, and the yeah. skills you have. And I'm really mm-hmm. happy that big companies like Google are now mm-hmm. no longer even caring about yeah. you know, what what degree you have. It's absolutely insane that uh, that it used to be like that, or at least there is people that still are in this cloud of thought that you they automatically are going to get the job that they want with the bachelor that they have. And they, the, when they get the job, they're going to do what they studied for. It's uh, it's such an abstract thing at this point that I don't even, I can't even imagine myself doing a university and then to, to get the job that I want to get. And I, I just simply strongly do agree with that, the, the same that you just made, um, because for personal experience, everything that I did uh, in terms of studying, research, what I really wanted to do, what school to attend, what job to apply, never came from school at all. Like, very simple as that. I got into Photoshop, believe it or not, because of video games. Uh, sure, school helps with the, with discipline, with really 
learning what to do and how to do it in a in an organized manner and like showing showing up for for the tests, showing your results, showing that you are on top of your things. But at the end of the day, if you want to do something, there is no school for that, even at school. Like you, if it doesn't come from you, it's never going to take you anywhere you want to go. Yeah, that's really I, simple. I absolutely agree. And I think you know, skill wise, it's it's so much easier to, to take an online course or to watch YouTube videos or to just figure yeah. it out through doing it than yeah. trying to take a class that's probably outdated. Man, think about it. You want to learn how to do a Photoshop. You want to you want to do a header for your forum. You potentially can get it done in an hour if you watch the 10 minutes YouTube video and then you rewatch it and do it side by side. If you had to apply for a course to because you're like, oh my God, I don't know Photoshop, so I need to go to a class. You look for a class. Then you call the place. Then you might apply. Then you might change your mind. Then you might find the same thing online. Then you need to show up with the instructor. Do the basic uh, Photoshop thing that shows you the pen tool and it might even not have anything to do with what you need to do. So either you're just that type of person that, okay, let me Google it. Let me do it. I got it done. Or, oh my God, it's going to be a vortex of things I need to do. Like you're just going to fall off before even starting. And we are in an era where we can just do it automatically, like right away. I learned Photoshop with YouTube, period. Like nobody ever taught me. And I'm just thinking Photoshop as an example, but any software that I'm using right now for for any reason, for work, for whatever it is, I don't even function in a way that I need to go to a class. Like for me, university only makes sense for doctors or for, if you want to do surgery, you're not going to learn it on YouTube. You're going to, you're going to have to study. You're going to have to actually learn it. But for a lot of other things like personal personal finance, for example, I wouldn't even know what course to look at. I mean, I listen to you guys on Invest Like a Boss and I learned a lot from that, but also that inspires me to look further into what I like. So uh, Sam was talking about the Hong Kong storage uh, investments, for example, or from or Art of Forex or Invest or Stan, uh, the annuity man. All those things, I don't even know if they mentioned them at school. It, they, it might not even make sense for a school to say, but at the end of the day, that's exactly what you're going to do after school anyways. You're just yeah. going to Google it, find something and do it, you know? I mean, here's the sad part. Let's say you took a finance course in mm-hmm. college. First off, it's probably from textbook that's 10 years old mm-hmm. from somebody who's never made that more than $36,000 a year. Oh, oh my God. And it's being taught by someone who hates their job, is just stressed, and it just it's just not a good way to learn. Yeah, it's – how can you learn how to do anything – when that person didn't do it, why are they teaching if they're teaching you? Like, why are they teaching you how to do personal finance if they still have to teach in order to survive? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. And to be honest, I actually like teaching. Like, I, I can see myself, you know, when I'm old, mm-hmm. teaching mm-hmm. community college just for fun. Yeah. I think it's nice okay. to change people's lives. But most of the time, mm-hmm. that's not what's happening. And to be honest... I think what would happen is I would teach it for a year mm-hmm. and I would get so frustrated at the bureaucracy and the, you know, all yeah. the, you know, BS from the school telling me what to do yeah. that I would probably just quit. I was like, but screw I, I you think guys. That when, when you are, if you have that mindset and when you want to, if you want to teach at a community college in the years to come, not right now, you might just find your niche and your audience or your students by simply saying like, Hey guys, I'm getting this place to, to teach you for, uh, for this couple of months, every class are going to be these days. If you want to show up, just sign up. Like literally setting your, setting your own class up online and finding your students is going to be so much more the way to do it, I think. Yeah. That it, like, think about it, man. That's crazy, right? But it's true. I think mean, about if it. anything, it, it would be easier for me just to set up, rent like 
a seminar room for yeah. a quarter and just have classes there. Think about it. You know, or doing this podcast, doing the Vest Like a Boss podcast, having the YouTube channel. I can reach so many more people than one going hour. to whatever community college and yeah. try to get to people and maybe like two students are going to follow because the rest is just taking credits that they need. Yeah. It's just it, a system. It doesn't... It, it's a, it's a change system. It's a change mm-hmm. world. You're right. Yeah. So you applied for uh, a visa in the US nine months later... They said, Man, sorry. It, was, it was insane. Like I was in a golden prison because <laughs> I, I I was just waiting for them to say yes. Here's your visa. Now you can start working. And I was misinformed, uh, to be honest. Like I I was told, yeah, you're gonna get it. No problem. It's just bureaucracy it takes a lot of time now. Things have changed a little bit. So I was like, fine, whatever. I'll just I'll continue study. I'll do I'll freelance uh, online for um, basically non-US based things as I'm waiting, but. Uh, what happened is I got rejected. So I had to go back to Italy and um, I was back to square one in terms of uh, logistics. But uh, luckily, uh, uh, a friend of mine that was working already here that got her O-1 visa that was already good, doing good with her business, um, she basically gave me the option because we really worked well together in the past. So she gave me the option to apply for an O-2 which is a, a no visa that uh, basically is linked to the no one visa. You can only work with the with the old one visa owner, uh, older. So bottom line is uh, I applied for that. It took me about uh, a year maybe. Uh, it was like a very long process because when you apply for such type of visa, you need to put together your portfolio in a PDF manner and explain your work in a certain manner that when the, the person that is going to approve your look into your case they will have to see certain key elements quickly so that, first of all, they, their life doesn't get uh, a mess when they get to you. They see it, so many cases, I don't even know. Um, they just need to verify that you're you know, a real person that is skillful enough to work. Uh, they need to verify the, the work that you did in partnership with the other person. A lot of different things. So I'll need to put that together, get reference letters from all around the world. Um, you're asked for five, but I, apply, I, I submitted like 13 or more. Uh, putting all those pieces together, translating everything properly when it was Italian reference letters, uh, talking to the lawyer back and forth, and then applying, and then waiting for the f- six or no, what was it, seven, eight months for them to approve this. Because when you're approved, they say, okay, you, your visa is approved, but that doesn't mean that you are approved to get in the United States. You then need to do an interview uh, at the embassy, uh, in my case, in Italy. But that went well as well. I explained them what happened with the with my past case where I needed to wait and stuff. And luckily, they understood everything. And um, uh, I got my visa. And uh, the, the, the the next two weeks, it was already booked and packed to come back. So while you're doing this whole process, did, did you did you say earlier during lunch that like mm-hmm. you had just tried coming as a tourist and they were just like, no, sorry. Yes. Yeah, that actually happened. So uh, I wanted to spend the New Year's with my at-the-time girlfriend. Um, but what happened is I didn't realize that they would see my waiting period that they told me that if I left the United States, I would not be, uh, entitled to get my work visa anymore. So it was like, okay, I'll wait. Is that okay to wait? Like I emailed them. I talked to the USCIS a bunch of times every day. We'll call them. And I were like, sure. As long as you're pending, you're completely fine. And then if you get your yes, you're just going to work. If you get your no, you're not going to get your visa. So it was like, okay. But the moment that you tell you no, Technically, on paper, they look at you as a person that overstayed their visa. So when I came back for, I decided to come uh, back with the Nesta 
just to to have like a quick moment with my girlfriend for Christmas. What's Esta? Oh, so I'm, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the Esta is a, a European. I think it's a European uh, f- valid for all Europe. It's a tourist visa that you apply for online that lasts for ninety days. Uh, you pay like a fifteen dollar fee. It's the the standard process for anybody that visits from Italy or Europe to come to the, the United okay. States. So they so, pr- they approved you online. They approved me on on the Esta. So you just print it. You just go to. You take your flight. You present it at the at the border. And they look at it. They might, uh, they might uh, let you go in the room for additional uh, questioning and stuff because they do it uh, randomly, or they just go like, "Okay, enjoy your stay." But in my case, uh, and I was screened before because as a student, sometimes they just make sure that you really are a student. It, as they were screening me, they were like, "Okay, sorry, but you overstayed your visa. We don't understand why." And I'm like, "What do you mean you don't understand why? I was waiting here because you guys told me to wait, or I would lose my work visa." So uh, very simply. Uh, I, although I explained them everything, they were like, we understand your situation. Unfortunately, you were misinformed um, in, in, in how to do this thing properly. So th- what, we're, th- what they did is, sorry, what they did is they didn't ban me or anything because normally you get banned for five years or more. Uh, they were like, because we understand, we're simply going to send you back home so that you can simply uh, look at your case um, apply for a work visa or apply for long because I didn't have any intention to work. By the way, don't get me wrong. It's just that in their eyes, I might have tried to work. So I told them. I mean, it's not that I told them what to do, but <laughs> I, 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 look, I wasn't, guys, no. this, this is what you're gonna do. <laughs> no, no, it was just like, okay, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> they, man, they that sent me sucks. Ma- man, they sent me back home. After that, I applied for the the O2 visa that I was but talking wait, about. Wait, 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 this sucks. You're on a flight for what, like ten hour plus hours. Yes. For Your a long time, it's probably waiting for you at the airport. Dude, it or- was so bad. She she was there waiting and waiting. And the bad thing is that when you get screened, I see screen might, might be an improper word, but they are just holding you in the room, asking you questions, trying to figure out what you're doing and why. And when they hold you there, they don't let you use your phone. You can't connect to anything. You can't have any outside communication. You don't really have rights because if you come with an essay, you don't have the right to say okay, I'll, I'll just fly back or, okay, I'll talk to my lawyer. You can't really do that from my understanding and it wasn't even given the option. So she was outside waiting for me for so many hours. And, and she, she didn't went. even know what was happening. She had no clues until at some point, five, six hours later, I called from their phone and she's crying. She's like, where oh are you? God. It was so bad, man. Dude, I was I like, I'm so, so sorry. It, w- it was very bad. But one of those things that they happened, I think, for a reason because... When I was back to Italy and applied for my visa, wait, we, how did you even get back to Italy? Did did they pay they, for a plane ticket? Look, what I what I did is I tried to tell them, guys, I understand your point. I don't wanna I don't wanna be waiting here for twelve hours for my ticket. I'll get my own. I don't mind. Like I'll just buy it myself. No, like you can't. Like uh, they basically book you the ne- the very next uh, flight that they can get you, and they just simply fly you back. So I did New it Year's. It is so weird. Man, get this. New Year's, I was on the plane all the, on the way oh back. Oh, my God. At midnight, I spent it on the plane with, the, with, the, with the, the hostess of the flight. They were, like, doing five, the countdown oh, wow. over the phone. And they were, like, dong, dong, through the speakers on this the airplane. It's so crazy. It was insane. I yeah. think the system is so messed up. It's so weird. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, first off, if I applied for a visa online mm-hmm. for a country... 
and then I showed up, and then they interrogated me, yeah. and then they said, no, sorry, can't come in. I would be so mad. I yeah, would be of so course. angry. And it sucks that I think you, the U.S. is probably the only country in the world where this happens regularly. Mm-hmm. This probably happens yeah. every single day. It's probably happening right now to some poor person. Mm-hmm. And I feel so bad. Yeah. And it sucks. I think it's a stupid policy. And it's so weird because the U.S. is probably spending a lot of money mm-hmm. buying people plane tickets to go home. Yeah, I mean, and like, it just doesn't make sense. The thing is, look, from my perspective, the U.S. system and the way that they approve people, it's actually effective and it, it might be long processing times, incredible bureaucracy. People might not agree with that. I think it makes sense for a regulated system to work, but also you need to be clear about what you're telling your people because if, if the system works, but the U.S. customer service person is telling you something and then you call the very next second another person and they tell you something else, then your system might work, but the people that are executing it are not executing it right or not informing people the right way. With a simple, no, you can't stay here for longer than your visa, I would have saved money, time. I would have applied earlier. I would have done so many different things earlier. Uh, it's, it's just really insane if you think about it, but it was a learning experience, to be honest. So it was just yeah. What is so crazy to me is the fact that people put themselves through this. Yeah. And I feel very privileged because I was born in the US. Oh yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like that I like planned it. My parents just happened to have moved here. here. Yeah. So, you know, I guess thank you to my parents. But I'm just you know, I didn't do anything. I was just born here. Mm-hmm. And when I go to places like Ukraine, for example, especially Ukraine, mm-hmm. but really, you know, to a lot of places and I told them I'm from California, they literally say, like, and this isn't just one person. This is probably dozens of people. Mm-hmm. They say, California. <laughs> oh, and you see, like, something in their eyes. Yes. They start, like, they dreaming about it. And then the very next question is, why did you come to Ukraine? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a lot the sparkles in their eyes when you talk about California or Los Angeles or try to tell people like, oh, uh, you know, I regularly go to the OC or whatever. They're going to be like, oh my God, Orange County. And they're going to be like, oh yes. It's just that I guess that from our side of the, from, from the Europe side or anywhere else outside of the America, everybody always has the TV show and movies influence and hearing about you know, like, oh, we had lunch and uh, close to Hollywood, they would be like, oh, my God, Hollywood, you know? And it's uh, it, it makes sense, you know, because everybody sees and recognizes America for what it is. And for a person that is in Ukraine, to see a person coming from uh, California to, to there or that is going to go to California but is spending time in Ukraine, they might not get it right away. So I guess that's why they looked at you with, uh, with lit up eyes and be like, oh, my God, why did you come here? And you know, I mean, to be yeah. honest, California is very nice. Yeah, it is nice. Right? Like the weather today is perfect. It's mm-hmm. sunny. There's palm trees. Oh, yeah. We walked like two blocks to, you know, some great food. You know, oh, yeah. F- super friendly waitress. Yeah. There was like literally a line of models standing outside yeah. uh, applying to work at some um, like apparel store. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, very you, nice. You don't, yeah. And you don't really see that stuff. Anywhere else. Anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. It's a really cool place. It's very innovative. Oh, where, yes. For example, we were, we were both riding bird scooters. Yeah. Oh, my God. So nice. But people from... So, locals from here, from my understanding, they hate the birds. Like, people that live in Santa Monica, for example, they're all against them. And they were some Uber drivers were telling me, see all these birds things? They're nice for tourists, but people from here are... 
they don't really enjoy it. And I don't honestly see why, because they're so convenient. I mean, you just pick one up, you scooter anywhere you want, and then you just drop it off, and that's it. It's it's uh, what else is there that allows you to do that? I mean, so to explain what it looks like, mm-hmm. it's basically like a razor scooter. Yes, it's Electric. super light. It, it probably only weighs a few pounds, so anybody mm-hmm. can just like easily lift it up. Oh yeah, but it's electric. It's powered by Segway. Mm-hmm. You use a mobile app. Uh, it's, you know, you can find look for Bird. There's another one called Lime. I mm-hmm. think they're similar. Yeah, and you just unlock it. It's a dollar to unlock, and then. 15 cents 15 cents a minute or something Mm -hmm. yeah so it's pretty cheap it's like you know your rides are never more than a few dollars yeah yeah and you can just go around the city you don't have to park you can leave it anywhere Anywhere. you just you just leave it and then you just with sense i want to say (laughs) yeah and you just press lock yeah and they're everywhere there are like every block probably yeah on every block there's like three or four just laying around yeah just laying around it almost looks weird it looks like someone like parachuted birds all around they, they the city. They literally dropped off like from the sky. They parachuted them probably like a crater open and they just started going around with these birds. There were like there were literally yeah. probably a thousand of them. Man, what struck me is that what was what was stuck with me is that when I when I got to my hotel the other day, I I started seeing them around and from in South Beach they do have lime bikes. Interestingly enough, they don't have any bird in Miami Beach. They only have a couple of lime scooters that you need to find through the app. It's literally probably less than ten. And some lime bikes. And they're definitely growing the numbers. But when you come here, you see them everywhere and people are all cruising around super fast. And you're like, oh my God, I, I need to do that. And they go like fifteen plus miles an hour. They, it's pretty they, fast. Yes, it's like I I like to compare them to the boosted boards. The boosted boards are probably very f- much faster than the birds, but the convenience of having a, a, a simple razor electric scooter to go anywhere, like we did from Santa Monica Beach to Venice Beach in uh, probably I don't even know how much time because you, you just enjoy, enjoy it so yeah. much. And, and At sunset, with oh nice my god, weather, flat roads. Dude, like I was driving back from from Venice Beach back to Santa Monica sunset coming on your left side you're just cruising around the weather is perfect your friends are in front and behind you're just going around people are smiling at you you only need like a background music you're in a movie and you're just cruising around for a couple bucks it's amazing it's really amazing and then you go into some cool restaurant like Yeah. You, oh, you know, everything we said about America not being cool, we, we, we take it back. It's the best country in the world. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone from Ukraine should move here. <laughs> yeah. No, no, man. That, I love America. Like, there is nothing. The only gli- the only hiccup that I had was that visa thing. But other than that, America is like a, a, the most beautiful place to be. I, that's a, I really want to be here and I really want to be uh, in South Beach where I'm at right now. I worked very hard to get there, and it's really, really just where I want to be, at least for the present moment and for the imminent future. We'll see about the the long run, of course, but it's really amazing to me. So, so what's funny is right before lunch, I was doing a recording for the other podcast, Invest Like a Boss with Sam Marks, mm-hmm. and we were talking a little bit about my time here in California. Yeah. And I basically said, I really li- love it, but every time I come back, things are even more expensive. Oh, Yeah. And it's crazy because pretty much every time we go out, like, for example, every meal I, I go out to eat, like, mm-hmm. I remember it used to be, you know, pretty reasonable, right? Like, yeah. you would go out to eat and it's like maybe $15 or something. Mm-hmm. Now, every meal, like, for example, like, like you treated me to lunch today, so I didn't yeah. even see the bill, but how much was it? It was, uh, we tip included 70 bucks. How uh, much? It was 70. $70. Yeah. 
yeah. for lunch. That's actually yeah. That now that I think about it, that was actually uh, not so cheap. And we had sandwiches. Yeah, we had sandwiches, appetizer. It was it was fifty eight with the with the normal bill. Plus, I tried to do I tried to get to seventy. I don't know what percentage I, I use pretty much in my brain, but it's like I'll just round it up. Yeah, that was, that was a good tip. That was like a twenty percent tip. Yeah, but here's the thing: but is it's, yeah, it's pretty insane. Think about it. It's what did we get? It was like two sandwiches. Okay. I got a beer. Uh, we got uh, chicken tenders, the bucket appetizers, and then I got that, a water and, and the That's water. It. That's it. My God. Yeah, it's insane. It's pretty insane. And I think people are so used to it mm-hmm. because it's yeah. probably not that much cheaper in South Beach. That it's just like people are like, okay, yeah, it's fifty eight dollars. You know, that's- yeah, no, it's. I guess it really depends on on what you're used to do around um, and your. I guess your 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 habits with meals and stuff like that. I guess also I'm in vacation mode, so I'm not really looking at that in the same way that I do on my day to day. But in South Beach, I, I do enjoy looking at things with uh, to go to places and spending the right type of money for what I'm getting. And in South Beach, you do get places where you can have a good meal for five to six. Well, the only place that you can do you can do it for six dollars. I think it's Pollo Tropical. I don't know if you know it. Is Probably Sam place? knows it. Uh, no, Pollo Tropical. It's like. Um, Oh, it's like I, Nando's. It's like a roast chicken place. Hey, man, I'm so Italian that I don't even know how to tell you. Okay, that's a Cuban or that's like a... Okay. I would say it's a tr- not a tropical. It's like a... You basically get these bowls. They're called tropi chops. You get... You can decide if you want salad or uh, rice in, in different kinds of rice. You can put chicken or uh, pork or now they do uh, fried chicken or... Something else. You basically got this bowl full of protein, veggies, all good stuff that it's not uh, too fatty. You you can add sauces if you want. They have the sauce bar and everything. But the big bowl is about six dollars, and the small one is about five. So when you have that, you're completely full. You're satisfied. It feeds you up. You see a lot of people after gym going there. So you're like, okay, people that pay attention. Yeah, to it, it sounds healthy. It, it sounds d- delicious too. Yeah, it's it's not. It's not a place where you would go every day, but definitely it's one of those options that are cost-effective and uh, digital nomads that are listening, they're going to definitely probably yeah. check it out because you're like, okay. Yeah, it's a great place. I mean, and you know what? Yeah, you're right. There's some places that you can go for cheaper food still. Mm-hmm. Like you can go to some ta- you know, some Mexican place and you can still get $2 yeah. tacos. I like to think that America gives you the option. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Mm-hmm. But I think also what happens is when you like go out with friends mm-hmm. – Everywhere is kind of like cool and hip and chic. And even like Mexican food. Last night, I went out with a couple friends. You know, we had a margarita. We had, you know, some chips and salsa and guacamole. Mm-hmm. And then like a plate each of food. And it's just like a normal dinner mm-hmm. at, you know, at a Mexican place. You know, cool, nice, you know, hip place. $50 a person. Oh, wow. And, and, wow. And it's just, that's just what it costs. Probably I mean, the margaritas I, costed more than the, the plate itself. And then the night before... I had Korean barbecue with a friend, mm-hmm. and he's doing a short film, mm-hmm. so he's spending all his money on there. So I was like, "Oh, you know, don't worry. Like, I got, I got this mm-hmm. one. Like, I know he he's kind of like a little bit tight in money right now, mm-hmm. you know. But first off, he's not that tight on money because when we went to his car after, I saw yeah. he had a brand new Lexus SUV. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> so I think when he says like I'm tight on money, it means I had to sell my Porsche SUV <laughs> to fund this movie. But anyways, it was eighty eight dollars. Oh wow! For for two people for dinner, and every meal is this expensive. It's not like a yeah special occasion. Did it's you guys go to Koreatown? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, what place? 
Mapau something too? I don't know. Because funnily enough, not yesterday, but the day before, I was at Quarters in Koreatown. A friend of my uh, buddy of mine uh, from Los Angeles uh, brought me there. And you are right, actually, because the, we basically got the shared combo. Man, there were different options, but the one to share the three of us, it was $106, just a shared combo. But it was it was a lot of meat that yeah. they cooked. That I, it was delicious. But How man, many people? It was the three of us, but it would have fed four people for sure. So it wasn't too bad, but if you need to trade a person, and if you get the combo and then maybe you want to have drinks on the side, it easily goes to like 150 Oh, yeah, we didn't even have drinks. Yeah. And yeah, it just... That's, and it's crazy it because in Ukraine, where I was just at, mm-hmm. the most expensive meal you can possibly have is... Maybe like fifteen dollars. Yeah. Like I went and I had steak. I had like filet mignon, and you have like a beer with it or a wine with it, and it. it I guarantee you, it won't be more than twenty dollars. Wow. It's just like, and to me, I was like, oh, this is kind of expensive because you can have like other food for like ten dollars, mm-hmm. or in Thailand you can go out and have a nice dinner for like five dollars. And I'm, I was actually one. I was like complaining to this uh, on the podcast with Sam, mm-hmm. and Sam's like, dude, you just need to make more money. <laughs> And he's like, look, if you just made three times more money, you wouldn't care about this. You could just live in California. Yeah. And I think he is, he is right. Where if I wanted to move back to California, mm-hmm. I would have to just like really hustle, build another business and just make so much more money that, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, 50 bucks every meal. That's fine. Yeah. But it doesn't make any freaking sense for someone, especially if they want to save money, yeah. they want to like travel because there are so many better deals everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Even in Italy, it is so much cheaper to go out and eat. Oh my god, yeah. But even the going grocery shopping for quality foods in Italy is just so. Like people here, you want to do organic stuff, you go to Whole Foods. You go, you want to do normal stuff, you go to anywhere else. In Italy, you you don't even have to think. Oh, will I go organic or will I go uh, Bologna stuff type of uh, meat packaged or whatever? You do get the packaged things, but every everything is just by default organic. There is no like, oh, th- this is gonna have organic in the name and this is not. Everything is just everything is just the same organic natural quality. So that's very interesting. But uh, what I was thinking as well is at some point, if you make so much money in general. To eat outside, you commit to go to a place and have meal there. But at some point, they think that it will make sense also to just have, you know, have meals brought to you at home or like groceries. You don't go, you don't do groceries anymore. You just do an Instacart thing. Like I would tend to automate things as I grow because at some point I might not always want to go outside, but I might afford it. So I would just, I don't know, order it in a clever way perhaps mm-hmm. or maybe subscribe to one of those meal prep services mm-hmm. that are just going to send you meals every day that i don't know that would be interesting to me you're definitely right and i really think that america has so many cool innovative things yeah that just they start here you mm-hmm. know because a lot of the tech companies are from the us mm-hmm. you know and what's cool about living in a big city like la mm-hmm. or you know miami or san francisco is they bring these things here first so the bird scooter mm-hmm. will most likely be become a worldwide thing, or at least US wide. Yeah, it just makes sense. But yeah, you see it, you're fine. You look at it, it's cheap. Yeah, it's but it, the it starts here. So yeah. it's like we are living in the future. We get all but the in cool the stuff first. Good point. Yeah, man. I mean, yesterday I went to see SpaceX and the Boring Company, and I was like, of course. You just look at it, and you're like, of course it's here. Yeah. Of course, just of course. I mean, where else is? Or else people are landing rockets, you just unlock electric scooters and go around for cheap, 
you just I don't know. There's gonna be tunnels that are gonna take you from place to, from point to point in a matter of minutes instead of hours or or well or half an hour. I just drove my buddy's Tesla Model Three. Yeah. And first off, it was so fun to drive. It's so fast. Yeah. But then he was like, "Okay, uh, tap uh, twice down on the right stock." Yeah. And he's like, "And I was like, okay." And he's like, "Okay, you're in autopilot." And I was like, "Okay, so now what?" He's like, "Nothing. Just don't don't touch anything." And we were driving here on just a main road mm -hmm. in the you know in, in this in this in like in the city. And I thought like I was like, "Okay, this is maybe it's like cruise control. I've used cruise control before." Yeah. You know. You know. It's common. It's normal, right? Yeah, yeah. But with cruise control, like it only works on a freeway where there's no other cars <laughs> around. Yeah. Here, it's a street. There's stoplights. There's people driving in front yeah, of you. Yeah, I definitely need to be aware. With autopilot, you don't. Have, you literally don't do anything. Yeah. It will brake for you. It'll speed up for you. It'll just follow the car in front of you perfectly. That's amazing. Yeah. But the craziest part was then. It started going in places that it wasn't straight. It was mm -hmm. literally like curvy roads, and I was tempted to grab the steering wheel again. And he's like, "No, no, don't touch it." <laughs> and I thought we were gonna crash. I thought we were gonna die. And we had just smoked some weed because it's also legal here now. Yeah, of course. And I was jet lagged. I just like landed that day, and it, it felt like a dream. I I recorded on my Instagram live, <laughs> and it was well. He recorded. <laughs> I yeah. was I wasn't even driving. I was just literally just like sitting there commentating, just being like. This car is turning by itself. By itself, yeah. And better than I can per I can do at that moment because I was so out of it. Yeah. Thank and, God there is there was the autopilot then. Yeah. And the reason why he had me drive is because he had a bunch of wine right before mm -hmm. he ran out. Okay. So it's like he was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I can't drive because I, you know, because I don't want to get DUI. But you can drive. Uh, but even though you're so tired, just let the car drive itself. You just need to sit there. Yeah, of course. And it's this is the future. That's amazing. Yeah. What What do you think if a cop stops you at that point and he goes like, "Okay, um, you're high and you're drunk, and uh, well, I'm just going extreme. Who's driving the car?" You go like, "No, none of us is driving. <laughs> yeah. It's the car." And it's so crazy that like I cannot wait for this to be legalized completely. Yeah. Because the car can already do it. Of course, it's regulation matter now. It, that's all. That's all it is. And here's the crazy thing is. Already today, it is probably safer than humans driving. Oh yes, they just want to get that number down to as close to zero as possible. Mm -hmm. Because let's say, like with uh, with a human, you know, drivers, let's say the you know the accident rate is like let's say you know one percent or three percent, mm -hmm. they're not okay with the autopilot being the same. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, 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 it can't be. 1%. It has to be 0.001%. Yeah. Well, I guess that safety matters, but definitely I see within two years uh, time full automation. I don't see why not. I mean, they've been advocating it for so long. And it's it's. I did a test drive a Tesla and it just makes sense, man. I mean, you're, you're driving it, you double tap the thing, it just goes and follows the traffic. It's just, I don't know. You, when you go back to driving another car, you're, you feel like you're, it's like the comparison between cars and, uh, the, the thing that are carried by horses, as you say it in English. Yeah. Um, horse carriages. Yeah. The horse carriages. <laughs> you're like, Oh my God, past, future. But literally, so my, my buddy Austin, shout out to, to Austin for first, he's having me stay at his place and he mm -hmm. was having me drive his car. He had to, uh, switch cars with his roommate for a day. Yeah. Who had a brand new 
Audi A6. Oh my god. Really nice car. Yeah. And Austin was like, I felt like I was getting back into the, a dinosaur. Like, yeah. Was like, what the, like, what is this crap? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, it, it, it plus the Model 3 is so nicely minimal inside. A lot of people so go, nice yeah, yeah. People go like, it, it, a lot, I, I mean, at least I heard of people complaining about the, the fact that it's very minimal. Everything is in the touch screen and everything, but what do people want? More buttons? Like more, more stuff? Like the more you go forward, the less headaches you want to have. Everything is just there for you to function. It's perfect. Voice control it and that's it. That's very, I don't know. I just really love it. I'm a super fan of Tesla. Yeah. And you know, of course, if you've read his uh, biography, Oh, I did. It's crazy because he grew up in South Africa Mm -hmm. and he basically said the same thing as you, where he's like growing up, he he saw the possibilities Mm -hmm. of being in the U.S. and the things that he wanted to do, he mm-hmm. knew he couldn't do it in South Africa. Oh yeah, you know he knew that if he wanted, you know, to really change the world, he couldn't do it from there. He'd have to do it from the yeah. U.S. Yeah, and it's fun. Yeah, yeah, he had to jump through all those hoops. He had mm-hmm. to, you know, but it was worth it. Yeah, it's funny because he uh, he did deal with visa stuff, but in a very way easier way. Because uh, I remember from his biography, his mom uh, is Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. And so because of that, he did all the paper process uh, himself and just had the mother sign a couple of papers and he obtained his Canadian passport. So it was close enough to the US. And then I guess after university, he was able to come work in America. But he did have the same idea and vision and w- like went through the, the visa processes to go to come here. And I don't necessarily necessarily know if he knew what he wanted to do, but he definitely knew that he had the call that he needed to be here in order for things to work. And I mean, of course, things worked out pretty well so far. But yeah. I loved that when he was a child, he did have a lot of experience where I think his, his father would take them uh, airplane drive around and go to places. I mean, think about it. What kids can say that with the family, they would just fly somewhere, uh, experience some safari or some outside activity and then fly back home when when i read it it was just really i was like oh wait hold on wow like what a what an what an experience to having your childhood memories uh if you think about it i mean it would like with the family they would do road trips with an airplane i it just stuck to me like i, I thought that that because of that a lot of different things that he thinks are definitely possible because if it was possible for them to do that on a, on a regular basis then why not do anything? Yeah, literally? his mind was so expanded mm-hmm. already as a kid, and what's what was possible mm-hmm. that he was literally a dreamer and say, "Okay, well, I'm going to go to space." Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, yeah. Man, I love to think that the roaster is still in the Mars Earth orbit and it's still like going there and it's going to come back and go there forever. Oh yeah, he dropped off a car, a Tesla yeah. roaster <laughs> in the space. Roaster too. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Did you see a live stream when they did it? No, I didn't say oh, it. Oh, I followed it all. Like, oh, all nice. of a sudden. Because I think people did not... Ex- he did say that, that he was going to put some... They, they had to put some cargo. So it made sense for SpaceX to, of course, put the new... Uh, the Roadster, too, from Tesla. So when he did it, he didn't really say, we're going to put uh, a, a, an astronaut mannequin-looking thing with the new SpaceX suit orbiting with a camera so that people can live see what the thing is seeing from the cockpit in space so in the video and it's still there on youtube the first four hours you can still see the live stream from the car so you're looking at something in space like a flying car in space over and going towards mars and then all of a sudden the connection stops but that car is in the earth mars orbit 
So we'll always orbit around. I think it takes two years for something to go and come back. And it, I mean, as we speak, the car is going towards Mars, man. It's so crazy. And we live in such a, a great time yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. Everything is possible. Some For some people, it'll be easier, you know, due to where we grew up or mm-hmm. how much, you know, the kind of the privileges that we were growing up with. But I really think that it is possible for everyone right now. Yeah. You know, some people might have to work a hundred times harder mm-hmm. to have the same opportunity. Yeah. Or have to deal with a lot more bullshit, a lot more bureaucracy, a lot more paperwork. Oh, yeah. But if you don't give up, everything is possible. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I definitely believe that. I think that really, whatever you're doing, whatever you need to do, it's just a matter of really pausing up for a second and thinking straight and be like, what I actually want to do, how do I achieve it? Can I do it in the next five minutes? And if you can, why are you not doing it? And if you're not doing it, then maybe you have the wrong idea about what you want to do. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, I, you can Google it. anything. If yeah. you want to do anything, just Google it real quick and see. So, you know, you have a really cool story, you know, of traveling, you know, setting aside some moving in the US. You're here now. Yeah. You actually end up getting married. Right? Yeah. Congratulations yeah, yeah, yeah. on that. Thanks. I kept it very uh, low key because we really, uh, we were at a point where I would have had to either renew my uh, work visa, fly out and then fly back and everything, or I could have just get married. It's funny to say that. So we didn't mention how we actually met. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, at first I actually, we were about to meet in uh, Miami if it wasn't that I texted you on Instagram. Because you were, uh, you were, you were flying away that day, I think. Or well, you already okay, let's rewind. How did you even first hear about me? Oh, okay. So, okay. That's, that's a funny story. My, my father actually was, um, I think it was on YouTube and he found a video of yours on not effectively pack to be more, uh, to be a better, uh, lightweight traveler and have a more of a minimal bu- uh, luggage. Cause, uh, you know, we are in that type of same mentality where why have, why carry extra stuff? He had a great video about it. And later on, uh, he was also looking for uh, an investment uh, podcast to follow. And he stumbled upon the Invest Like a Boss podcast. And he, and he realized that you are the same person that he looked at for the luggage uh, back then. So he was like, oh my God, like th- this guy's cool. So he told me about the podcast and I started following it as well. And uh, eventually, I mean, I've been listening to all of them. Uh, up until episode 100, I need to finish that one and do the the next ones. But when I saw that you were in Miami Beach, I actually was like, oh my God, like I'll try to treat you for whatever. And uh, I think that you were leaving that day, but then I realized by chance that you are here as it was here by coincidence. And so we met because you you saw the message luckily. And uh, yeah, and we just met for for lunch. It was a great story. So, so great. Yeah. Well, first off, it's so crazy that your dad found me. Yeah. It's amazing to me. Yeah. And so I think, you know, so shout out to uh, your father. Francesco Discolo. Yeah. Italian voiceover. Yeah. Speaker. Grazie. Grazie. Grazie, pa. Grazie, pa. Okay. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I remember you, hitting, you messaging me in Miami, but I, because of the timing, I was just like, oh, it's not even possible to talk yeah. about it. Then you messaged me here, and then I was like, I was like, oh, who, you know, who is this guy? So uh, I looked yeah. at your Instagram, yeah, and then I saw you, and you look like a you know cool guy. And then I saw, you know, I thought I assumed it was your girlfriend. I know you're married, yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, he has a really beautiful girlfriend, yeah. Model. I was like, oh, he's probably a normal guy, like you know, okay, I meet him up for lunch, you know, it's, it's convenient, it's close by, yeah. And then he told me how you met 
your wife or your your it, she's literally a model. Yeah, like she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's signed with the lead models Miami right now. She's uh, the the mother agency is a Amex talent in Nashville, and uh, yeah, she really is gorgeous. And yeah. when you told me how you met, I like could not believe it. I was like, I have to have I you on the podcast believe it too, man. just to tell this story because I don't think. Like, I it's think, really insane. I, I don't think anybody would even believe it. So, so yeah. can you go through it? Yeah, I'll go uh, through it um, as quickly and as precise as I can. But pretty much, so in Italy, we have a TV show called Le Yen, and they showed Chat Roulette for the first time. I think it was 2010. And it was with my best friend that is in the city right now. Um, we ba- Basically, we saw the TV show, and it was around Christmas time. And the, the day after, I was like, guys, come on over. We're going to test out this Chevrolet website because they showed that you could you know, talk to people from all over the world randomly. So you would talk to Ukraine and then Spain and then Thailand, anywhere. So the day next, Gabro and Simo, my friends, Gabriel and Simone, they come by. And, uh, and you know, Gabor brought his laptop. He had a webcam on it. So we start browsing and we start uh, skipping uh, a couple people. And then all of a sudden she appears uh, in a room in Nashville, in her living room with some friends. And they're just hanging out. And we're hanging out too. And we start talking. And we, we basically started by chatting and then exchanging Facebook at the time. Uh, and that, and that was it from the, for the Charolette part. But the day, uh, the days after, she was liking a couple of pictures um, we messaged a couple times and we were just simply chatting, uh, about random stuff. You know, you just chat, whatever. But, uh, what happens is I exchanged Skype with her because I wanted to, since she was, since we were chatting, we might as well spoke or like talked because I was also in high school and was still learning a lot of like English in a good way. And she was genuinely interested in Italy because it was a country that always uh, fascinated her. So we started sp- uh, talking on Skype um, when it would be, you know, back after school days or uh, after I was done, you know, with my friends, just for like an hour or two, uh, some days throughout the week. And he built up a little bit where, you know, we were friends enough to be wanting to meet in person at some point, but nothing really serious, at, you know, at the time. So by coincidence, between fourth and fifth year of high school, I was going to go to um, to Miami to, to have a base where to stay while I was looking around for colleges and schools. And she had a, a modeling contest in uh, the at a hotel in Miami Beach, pretty much. So we met... That su- that summer, the same summer, in person, and I mean, we couldn't really believe it too, because you're like, what are the chances that you meet and that you start ta- texting and that you start talking and then you actually meet in the same city because she booked at the same time that I was there as well. So it was amazing. Uh, I met her. Um, she was as nice as she was uh, when we were talking, like no surprise or anything like that. Um, it was very great. I met her sister. I met her friend. And we we stayed together for a week, and then when she was back, when she went back to Nashville, I went back to Nashville to visit her a little bit more, and then we stayed in touch, and we always kept uh, going on and off together for a while until you know in 2015 we just decided, hey, let's just be together because it just makes sense for us to be together. So you if know? you guys aren't aware of chat roulette is. Probably don't go to chatroulette.com. Mm-hmm. You'll be very, very disappointed. Yeah, you'll be very disappointed right now. So right now, I, I, I would almost bet money if you went to it, it'll be some like... Weirdo, weird, like yeah. people doing wrong things. It'll be it'll be yeah. weird. And actually, I think it'd be funny if we, if we went on after this just to see what we see. Yeah, oh my God, that'd be fun. But 
I think what it is is okay. So first off, the website is basically the concept is you go in this chat room, you anonymously chat with other people mm-hmm. or anywhere in the world, and they call it roulette because it's kind of a gamble. You never know what you're gonna get, what yeah. you're gonna get. But I think what happens pretty much with every platform ever is when it first comes out, you have normal people that go on mm-hmm. because it's new, it's fun, it's cool. And then after a while, people ruin it. Yeah. Same with Tinder. The same with, you know, MySpace, I guess. Or Yeah, yeah. All those social networks that were cool at first, but then they faded off. Yeah, but especially things like, like, you know, like with t- Tinder, for example. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, it's like awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody went on there. Like normal people would go on with like normal intentions. And then, yeah. you know, you meet super cool people. It would work. Chat with that was probably the same. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, it just gets ruined. Yeah, they just spoil it. Yeah. So that my advice to people is you either need to get a time machine <laughs> or you need to just kind of stay on trend of what's new and cool. And yeah. don't be afraid to be an early adopter because that's where a lot of like cool, fun things are. Oh, yeah. It's always like that. Yeah. So you – yeah. So I'm actually not – that surprised that you guys met on chat with that, even though it's so weird. Yeah. Because if you put yourself back to 2010 when yeah. it first came out, it was like normal, normal people like you, you know, seeing it on TV thinking, Oh, this is cool. Let's try it. Yeah. That's exactly how it happened. It makes, I mean, from, from my perspective, it makes sense because we randomly met, we randomly started talking and because of both of the same interests from the both of us, we just started talking and talking just like when you meet a random person at a bar and it becomes a friend and then you see the same friend after a while, it just happened to be something that was virtually, uh, that, that, that happened virtually at first. Like yeah. instead of sitting at a random and, bar, you just. And I can imagine it's pretty cool because, she, you know, she's from, you know, I assume like not that big of a, a place, you know, cause Nashville is like pretty, like low, like laid back, small town kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's then not she, LA. yeah, and then she meets someone from Italy, you know, this mm-hmm. cool guy, his cool accent, and he's like, Ciao yeah, my, bella. My, my accent, yeah, <laughs> that's how, that's how I got her. No, my accent at the time was definitely heavier. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it was very interesting because I remember asking her so, so many, like things like, oh, I'll, you guys have Nutella, for example. Like I, I didn't, I, I didn't know if you had to go to a specific store or if you could just get it at whatever store or how their school system worked. How in America you have four years of high school and here we have five or how college work. Why do they call it college and there is also university? What's associate? What's bachelor? Like all of those things people give for granted here, but from the outside, it's like a headache. Like you're like, why do they have college yeah, and then so they have community right? college? Well, and then, actually, yeah, just this it summer. Makes sense. I was having this uh, discussion, I guess. I mean, like, I would meet someone from Ukraine, and I would say, yeah. "Oh, like, oh, you know, like, oh, do you know, oh, you went to school in wherever." Uh-huh. And she's like, "No, like, I went to university there." I was like, "What?" I, I, I thought you—it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll say, "Oh, are you, you know, are you a student?" And they're like, "No, I'm in university." And I'm in like. For Americans, it's basically the exact same thing. But yeah. there, they're like, no, school means high school. Yeah. University, university is, is university. university. Yeah. That's how it, it's really, it's different. Once you get used to it, it, it makes sense to have college or university or whatever. But from our perspective, is we just have high school and then you have university. And there is nothing really else. You just get your laurea, your bachelor degree, and uh, there isn't many other tires to it. But then... When you get your bachelor's degree, you're called a doctor. Yeah, you can you can do your master's after. You can do your doctorate. Um, 
I'm, I'm not super precise about it just because I didn't do university there, but I can tell you that all my friends, like the, the people that are starting to become doctors, um, working in hospital and stuff, it's going to be like a 10 years study path. Wow. No, but from what I heard, it wasn't like not not like being a medical doctor, mm-hmm. but if you just get like a Bachelor of Art, like a BA degree, yeah. that people call you doctor. I th- yeah, I think that that is correct. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, they do study five years to get it and everything. Um, but you're called doctor because it's like a title that you earn. Um, but like, I even, can't... even if you just studied like like math or something. Or well, like... I would have to double check on that because I'm not sure if you get your bachelor in math, are you a doctor then? That's a good question. I would have to check. I would really have to check. Because I, I know that you, you do become a doctor for certain areas, but if you, do, if you study yeah. law, I don't think that you, you're considered a doctor i would have to check on those titles that's a good question but so you know what this conversation kind of just highlights why it's so fun to talk to people from different cultures yeah and this you know and i think back then in 2010 Mm -hmm. like what are the chances of someone you know you meeting someone from another country you know you to meet an american or her to meet someone from italy so it just makes sense like with the internet it's so cool to be able just to chat with different people man yeah and now with the digital nomad movement and being able to live in different countries mm-hmm. and you know meet people from all around the world, honestly, I kind of take it for granted sometimes where it's such a cool life that just never existed before. Yeah, man. We definitely like it's, – it's probably like an evolution of society and there is people that get it and people that uh, don't really get it right away. But then they're like – they witness it and they're like, oh, okay, whatever makes sense. But they still – stay in their own bubble. But honestly, it makes sense for people to just connect digitally if it just happens or like whether it's work, whether it's like social interactions. Right now, I personally think that work, like digital work is really where the where the thing is at in terms of communicating digitally and meeting new people um, through the internet. If you want to do it socially, what I mean, so what I mean by socially is when, if you want to have like a, if you want to chat or hang out with a stranger, you can still do it, but rather than do it Charolais, you might go specific, maybe with Tinder or whatever app is there to pair up and meet with someone. But at the end of the day, if you wanted to do it the old way and there is no internet, what would you have done? You would have probably gone to a bar, to a, a bookstore, wherever you hang out and you randomly start talking to a person. And I suspect that some people might think that it's weirder to approach a stranger in a bookstore than to match up with somebody online for personal and common interests. Well, definitely in this modern society where I've heard that one of the problems a lot of millennials have are people who, you know, were born after year 2000. Mm -hmm. They are socially... Awkward. Yeah, or inept (laughs) with in-person interaction because they're just not used to it. Even with their Mm -hmm. friends, they can't just sit around without their phone. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely something that is uh, that 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 impacts that, that that impacts with everyone's life. I mean, I don't even remember seeing kids from high school without a phone in their hands while hanging out or chatting at some point while they're hanging out. If that makes sense, like after they came out heavily, like with the iPhone and stuff, everybody got one. And every, like in school, if you don't if if you didn't know something at the beginning of school, you couldn't Google it right away unless you had a computer in your class or a phone. But with smartphones, as soon as they came out, it didn't make sense for teachers to tell you, do the research at home. They would just have us do the research right there and then. And after, if we needed to play, to spend some free time after the class, 
we would just play something on our phones uh, and chat or whatever. I don't know. I just I don't remember interactions that are not with the phone that are the start of the conversation or at some point they're just like, okay, phone's off. We're just going to do this unless wow. you really commit to it. You know, it's like almost you need to be like, okay, phone's off. It's like a thing that you need to say. Yeah. It's right? not the default anymore. It's not default. It's like, unless you really are catching up on something and you just really need to not have it on your table or whatever, yeah. it's going to be there or in your pocket or at some point on the conversation during a break, you're going to check your phone for whatever reason. Yeah. It's, but you know uh, what? Yeah. I, I do love technology. Mm-hmm. I love the yeah. ability of, you know, the convenience. Yeah. I'm and, all about it, man. You mm-hmm. know, but at the same time, I do agree where we should never let it take over our lives. Yeah. We should use it. We shouldn't let it use us. My father has a great analogy for this is like use technology as you use your washing machine, use it for whatever you need it, but then nothing more like done. You know? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if, sense. You, if you're bored, don't look for the, for how to not get bored online or whatever. Just go out, do something, just don't dwell on your phone, you know? Yeah. I, re- I really love it. So it's, it's super cool that, you know, you kind of made your dreams happen. You know, you moved to the country you wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. You met the love of your life, mm-hmm. you know, who happens to be this beautiful, you know, professional she model. She happens to be a model. Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, you have a great job now. You're in gra- graphic design. Yeah. Graphic design. I'm waiting for, now that we got married, I'm waiting for my documents to arrive or whatever. But I have a background in uh, a background in uh, art direction, graphic design in advertising. I also made my own portfolio a couple of years ago in virtual reality, where you could fly around with a broomstick, collect the portfolio pieces, visit a museum, and uh, I'm getting into augmented reality now. Now that Unity is Unity is a video game engine, and they natively support Vuforia, this API to do AR. It's amazing because I'm able to do AR so effectively and so quickly. I could mock up something in AR in a day, like given like an image and some 3D content. It's it's really like a lot of fun. And I'm trying to integrate that with the with the design work that I used to do. But that, I'm, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess technically you could do that remotely in the future. Yeah, I could I could very easily do that remotely in the future. Um, I don't see why not. I mean, if you were a client from Dubai or whatever and you needed um, an interactive catalog or like a, a business card that works with AR, I could easily spin it up, send you the APK, you install it on your phone and it works. Uh, yeah, that's definitely something that you can remotely do. I do think... I do work with developers from Ukraine that work on other types of systems, but we communicate on a daily basis, you know. Um, in the morning, you just touch base with the team, you do the... The the stand the virtual stand up everybody says what they're, they're working on and then everybody how, how funny is it that I've just spent the last two months in Ukraine probably yeah. in the same city as your developers yeah that's that's really fun yeah it, it's very funny as a as a fact because they were there I mean they they get American salaries in Ukraine so I guess it's a good life for them it's a great life for them I yeah. I hang out with I mean pretty much everyone I meet when I'm in Ukraine works in IT or speaks English. Mm-hmm. And their standard of living is so much higher than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Even a doctor there only makes three or four hundred dollars a month. Yeah. While someone working IT, like, do you know what you got? You, what, approximately what you pay your developers? Don't precisely know what they get paid exactly, but I definitely believe around the thirty per hour range, which is a lot for the standard there. I yeah. think. Yeah. It's like it's like I think. The average 
non-IT worker in Ukraine makes two to three hundred dollars a month. Mm. The average IT worker makes wow. six hundred to a thousand dollars, which is double or triple. Yeah, no man, that's that's or more. I didn't know that. I it's didn't like, know. Yeah. That. Well, yeah, no, they definitely make stellar money compared to them then. But also, I know that Ukraine historically had a lot of uh, people that were engineers at the time, and because of that, their kids were very smart. Like they were, they were exposed to this type of uh, engineer influence heavily. And because of that, now there is a lot of engineer talent that is waiting to be hired from the world because, please don't get me wrong, I'm not great at history, but I believe that at the time, Russia or somewhere around there, they were dividing their, um, they were dividing people that were engineers and people that were farmers in zones. And Ukraine happened to be one of the zones where engineer talent was. And because of that, you have a heavy engineering uh, knowledge there and that's why a lot of people hire from there and that's why you find great developers from there wow that, I, I, yeah that is crazy that's almost like um what, what's mockingjay like what's like, that movie i guess yeah the the mock the, the mockingbird hunger games yeah that is crazy that they, they divided up the ussr yeah. yeah man i i i'm not super precise because i don't remember exactly how it was but i remember somebody telling me about the zoning system and how there was a zone for engineers and because of that now you see it reflected as there is a lot of talent there not necessarily because they want to have that zone be prevalently engineer but I hope that people from Ukraine that are listening are not like, oh my God, you're completely wrong. Like this is actually, you know, we, we know our shit because we study yeah. hard and maybe that's how it, it is. It might be because yeah. I know they're, uh, they're super proud of their flag, yeah, which is the sun and the grain. So I know they were definitely oh. farmers, but at the same time. That's interesting. But they're definitely into IT now. Like I, I know for, for a fact that mm-hmm. Ukrainian developers are super smart, they're yeah. hardworking. Oh yeah. And you know, because of the currency arbitrage, mm-hmm. if you pay them a thousand dollars a month, they are very happy because mm-hmm. they're making you know more than double, or sometimes you know four times as much as a normal job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely. I think that they're like when you talk to a person, and you explain them a problem, and they are finishing your sentences already in the first go. It's you know that they they have people that know their stuff there. You know, yeah. you know it always happens to me when I'm talking to them. It's uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's just pretty cool, and I'm happy that they are happy because they get work work remotely and great salary and and everything. I mean, that's the dream of anyone, I guess. Yeah. If I was a Ukraine person, though, uh, I would take the advantage of the fact that they work remotely and just travel in the meantime. You know, think about it. Yeah, you know, I actually thought about that too, but I think a lot of people in Ukraine. Well, first. It's unfortunate, but because Ukraine is so cheap, mm-hmm. there's very few cheaper places for them to go. Mm, I think for a lot of times when we travel, we like getting a good deal. We're like, oh, if we go to Thailand, we can have this amazing Did you see Ukrainian people in uh, Thailand? Uh, some. Yeah, yeah, some. Mostly more, more Russian uh, tourists go there. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, but honestly, I think in Ukraine, they still have a, a very stable mindset in terms of they value stability and certainty and family way more than they value taking a chance or, you know, mm-hmm. taking a gamble of of going somewhere new or different. So they're family oriented? Like they're more for the for the how do you call it? For their home, the cocoon. Yeah, but not even just that. A lot of it is just more like stability or certainty. Okay. They value that very highly. Like for example, I've never used the word salary mm-hmm. 
as much really, you know, in the US or anywhere else in the world than when I was in Ukraine. Because mm. here or, you know, in the, the digital nomad world, nobody talks about salary. Mm-hmm. We talk about profit and loss or revenue, you know, yeah. how, you know, or even commission. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like we don't care about salary. Like I don't, I don't have a salary. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't even want a salary. Mm-hmm. Even for the Nomad Summit, I tell my, my, you know, technically their employees, I say I don't want to give you a like they asked for a salary. I was like, what? I was like, I'm not gonna give you a salary. How about I, I pay your basic expenses, like whatever it costs for you to kind of float per month, yeah. whether it's like a thousand dollars or something, just so you can have something that you know is guaranteed, mm-hmm. and then we do profit share. You oh. Know? And that way, you have incentive to work harder. That you can participate in the upside, mm-hmm. and that if you, do, you know, if the if, like if it doesn't go well, you don't put in the work, you know, you don't go above and beyond, and we don't make money, then you don't make extra money. But yeah, if course. it does go well, then you do you do make a lot more money. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a business model that I that I heard of before and that I saw before. It just makes sense to do profit share, because at the end of the day, if you have a team of talented people that are just working their ass off to get to the goal and everybody is, then you'd really see, you know, things coming to reality and, you know, your income getting very large because at the end of the day, if you win and the other person wins and the, the entire team wins, then everybody wins. The profit is big. The share is big. Yeah, I think it's definitely a great way to see it. And then you you do cover the basic expenses because otherwise, how are they going to get to work and work? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, that's cool. And... In Ukraine, if you kind of you know, even if you said to someone like, "I'll, I'll, I'll you know, how much is your rent and your your basic like the minimum amount you need to survive," mm-hmm. and then we'll do a profit share commission after that, mm-hmm. or you can have you know six hundred dollars a month, no upside. They'd be like, "Give me six hundred a month." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. I see why they would do that. They would, if some again, if you think about it for a second. And you're like, okay, this is a great opportunity. Like I could really work my ass off to get great, you know, income if that's your goal, then it would make sense in a profit share type of environment. Because at the end of the day, if depending on your goal, you were never you will never make money or become crazy rich if you just work for a salary. And that's something that I guess everybody knows. But if you give people the ability to profit share, then you're, it's kind of like you're, they're working in a special environment. Like it's like a special job where you get to be, you're rewarded for the work that you do. And so it becomes even more interesting. Like as a kid, I would probably want to be, uh, hopefully it was a, if I was educated, right? And I am given the opportunity, I would definitely start in a profit share maybe, or I would work for a salary first and then profit share right away just because it makes sense to grow with the company and see your income grow yeah no we'll probably just start with profit share because as you grow and the company grows you know you just work hard you see your reward you grow everybody grows and everybody's happy it just makes sense and to be honest if i ever was an employee again Mm -hmm. i wouldn't even want to be in a situation where i'm just milking the company and not bringing roi oh yeah i know what you mean you know I, i would just feel bad and i think honestly you know Maybe 10 years ago or like, you know, when I first graduated college, I didn't have that mentality. I'm like, I don't care the company's making money. I want my my paycheck. Yeah. But that's a really kind of low level thinking. Yeah. Where now, if if I, if I'm working for a company and the company is losing money or not growing, you know, they're not having a future, mm-hmm. I don't want to just take a paycheck, just take it, you know? Yeah. You want to, I mean, either you're in for it and you just help the company go back up or... I mean, you're going to get your next paycheck, but nothing after that because the company's probably going to fail. You yeah. Know? So 
Really interesting mindsets. Really uh, interesting to chat with you, mm-hmm. seeing a per- from the perspective of someone who you know is basically was on the other side, mm-hmm. you know. And I think what I've learned from this conversation, but also just being back in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. is it really is great here. It really yeah. is an amazing place. Yes, it is very expensive. Yes, it's very smart to you know uh, travel hack and do location arbitrage where. You know, I can save not only tax money, but also save, you know, just save more money in general, like cost of living by mm-hmm. living in places like Thailand. But at the same time, I understand why people want to live in the US, why people want to live in Miami or in LA mm-hmm. or in San Francisco, even though it's so expensive. It's expensive, but you're, 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 you're again, if, if you're here and you work here and you make the money that you make here, then it's expensive, but it's as expensive as living anywhere else. Because if you, if you think about it, I'll, I'll throw a couple of numbers in there just for the sake of uh, the, the conversation. If you live in Milan, uh, you earn fifteen hundred dollars, uh, fifteen hundred euros a month, and uh, you spend for rent five hundred euros. You have a thousand in your pocket to use for your expensive, but the thousand is the thing that that stays with you pretty much. And say that that's a graphic design uh, job for a media agency. That's pretty. That's that. Those are pretty accurate numbers. Maybe for rent, if you live, if you work in Milan, you might want to live in Lodi, uh, where I'm from, twenty minutes from Milan. Probably get a place in the city center, historical and everything, beautiful Italian place for like 600 maybe a month, which is an amazing number for me at least. But um, at the end of the month, you're you're going to have a certain amount of money that is basically the income minus the, the rent that is about, I want to say a thousand, maybe less. But if you live in Miami Beach, for example, and you do the same job, you can find, and you're, I'm, I'm looking at a single person. Miami Beach, you can you can be very if you're very smart and very like go getter, you can get a, a one bedroom for a thousand dollars probably a month, or a studio for a thousand a month, or you can share a two or three bedroom for a thousand or probably a little less a month. Depending on how you are and how go getter you are, you're gonna find your place for around a thousand a month. If you're also go getter, you can find your job in the in the right environment for to make possibly five grants minimum. And I say five grants because I like to think of the waiter that makes five grants because of all the tips in Miami Beach. I like to think of the graphic designer that works in the right um, uh, advertising agency. Maybe if you're in the wrong place, you're still going to make three grants. Um, Very generic numbers again, but if you do the math and think about it, Florida doesn't have income uh, taxes, only the the state taxes, I think they're called. Um, You have rent. You're paid well. At the end of the day, you make a little bit more money. So it is expensive, but you can still afford to go around, hang out, maybe hang out at the beach, do eat outside, have a couple of drinks, have some lunch outside, and still at the end of the month, probably save enough for your Roth IRA or whatever you're going to be doing if you're go-getter in that sense as well. New York, for example, I live there as well. If you are, you're going to make a lot more money in, in terms of base salary, but you're going to have your 40% uh, taxes kill you a little bit. And uh, depending on your logistics, if you want to live in Williamsburg, I paid in the past, again, $1,000 for a room in a three-bedroom flat in Williamsburg in Lorimer Street. And you could make, in New York, you can make a lot of money, but it's the, the, the taxes is what kill you. Like I know people that make a lot of money, but that are not able to save too much just because the rent is high. Maybe they logistically, they were not super 
smart or super lucky. They they work at the right job, but they end up working a lot of hours, like doing a, like over overtime every day. They go back home. It's not like Miami Beach that you do overtime, but you have the pool after your overtime, but you get the sunset with the beautiful bay view. That helps a lot. It's just, it really, I see America as expensive, but it can balance out if you're smart about your surroundings and you use the tools that America offers you to be smart about it. And if you don't want to live here and you want to be doing the same thing somewhere else, you can. It's probably going to be cheaper, but to have a higher income in a cheaper place, you have to be you know, a go-getter, like I say go-getter, but like a, a smart person that knows what to look for, how to, how to get the right job or how to keep that type of income remotely. Because otherwise, I mean, everybody would just live in a cheap place with a guy with a high income. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, that is the ultimate hack, mm-hmm. but it's also the dream that, for a lot of people. Oh yes. Yeah. The but ultimate hack. Absolutely. I think that with technology nowadays, mm-hmm. it's really one of the first times in human history that you can, that it's attainable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that difficult to create an online business making, you know, four or five thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy, but it's not impossible. You yeah. know, I was making that much when I had my drop shipping stores and I was working a lot, you know, I was working, you know, eight hours a day mm-hmm. building businesses, but I was making five thousand dollars a month while living in Chiang Mai, Thailand yeah, where perfect. my rent was two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Yeah. Versus if I had the same salary or income living in san francisco my rent was 2500 yeah that you were bootstrapping yourself in your own business pretty much when exactly. you were in Thailand. yeah and so this is you know a big theme of not only the nomad summit conference but also you know this podcast with a lot mm-hmm. of people um, but it is interesting to sometimes have a reality check to come back to the u.s and see what's mm-hmm. happening here all the cool things happening and the fact is there's a lot of people that do want to come here mm-hmm. and, and i understand why so uh, congratulations on uh, making it to the U.S., building your life here. Congrats on Thanks. finding uh, your passions, finding your love, finding your work, mm-hmm. and uh, grazie. Grazie mille. We should do a we should do a, um, a catch up episode probably in a year or more from now in the other in the travel like a boss in the invest like a boss podcast. Oh, where inv- after investing now we met after investing after a year in the U.S. when they just started, we can see where we are at. I think it will be very interesting, especially because it basically used you guys to learn a lot. We were your investment MBA. Yeah. I love it. If you guys haven't listened to the other the podcast, it's called Invest Like a Boss. Check it out. You might like it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, do, do you hang out with on like Twitter, Instagram? Do you want people to follow you? Uh, I mean, if you guys, I don't post too much, but if you want to check out my Instagram, is Enrico Discolo uh, to have to to put the face to the to the voice. Uh, but you're probably gonna be more interested in following my uh, wife or my sister. She's a, a singer from Italy. Uh, you're just gonna wait, find wait, the names. You sound like your wife and your sister are the same person, separate people, right? They're separate. <laughs> oh my god, Sarah, my wife, Rochelle, my sister. I didn't realize. No, so, they're so your sister is a is a famous singer in Italy. Yeah, now she was on. What show was she on? She was an X Factor actually. Nice. Uh, last year, I think, or two years ago. Yeah, she ended up being fourth, uh, but she's the only one that really lived after the X Factor. Like she's she's doing good. She's definitely still in the starting uh, phase of her career. But you know, if you guys follow her, you you will see a lot of like day to day, you know, singing and. Her process is working towards her new album and, and a lot of different stuff that she does. Awesome. She works with. What was her name again? Rochelle. Her, her Instagram handle is uh, Rochelle Music, if I'm not mistaken. 
And my wife's handle is Sarah E. Elder. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And we can see her on the cover of some upcoming magazine, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. All right. Very cool. Thank you for uh, being on the show. And Thank you for the time, uh, Johnny. It yeah. was a real pleasure. It's been fun. All you guys, thanks for all your reviews, for telling your friends about the show, for tagging it, screenshotting it, putting it on Instagram, wherever you guys hang out. And we'll see all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Ciao, bellows. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.